This is a production by One and All Media. For more, head to oneandall.media. This is a One and All Media podcast. Today. 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 Today with Jeff Vines. We are taking the gospel to the world. Pastor, apologist, and Bible teacher. Bringing people far from God, near to God. We believe in one truth that will be delivered in love and compassion. Connecting every one person to all that God has promised them. Today. Today. Today with Jeff Fines. Welcome back. My name is Aaron. Thanks for joining me again. And in this message, Pastor Jeff is going to continue looking at James chapter one, where he's warning us about temptation. These temptations are fueled by our own desires, what he refers to as the enemy within. We'll also hear how to respond biblically to those temptations that lead us away from life with God. If you missed the first part of this message, just search for Today with Jeff Finds wherever you get your podcasts. Let's hear the rest of it now with Pastor Jeff. Okay, let's summarize. You've got an epicenter, an epi desire in you that has a lot to do with your upbringing, your environment, everything around you. But make no mistake, there's one thing especially attractive to you. Now, here's the second part. When your epi desires entice you away, what happens? Well, the Bible says then conception occurs. And conception means that something on the inside, once it gets in there, is eventually going to come out. And I think it's interesting that James uses a sexual metaphor to illustrate how sin works its way in our hearts. He says, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. Now, Heaven forbid that you walk out of here today in the parking lot and you see two people fighting. And suddenly you see one guy smack another guy. Now, if that happens, the slap is not where this issue began. The slap was conceived in anger and later anger gave birth to the slap. Who knows why? The point is something inside the epi desire created by your past then is going to sooner or later find its way in conception to be birthed, to come out, and when it matures, death. Which means that all sinful actions begin as little embryos in the heart. Why are you so bitter? Because you think something's been taken from you that you can't live without, so you're just mad. Why are you so anxious and afraid? You're terrified that somebody's going to take something or do something that you value so much and somehow damage it or ruin it, and you think, man, if that happens, I can't live without it. I'm anxious, I'm afraid something's going to happen to my kids or my job or my husband. I'm terrified. I won't get the girl, I won't get the job, I won't get the promotion, I won't get the money I deserve. Your ultimate hope and trust and love is in something other than God. It's okay to want a job, it's okay to want money, it's okay to want all these things until they become your epi-desire, your epi-center. And then the Bible says spiritual adultery and it leads to death and disintegration. Part three. The Bible says there's only one real cause for sin in our lives. 
there's only one person to blame for sin. That is spiritual adultery, using something, loving something more than God. Guess who that is? You. Verse 14, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. You know, my little boy Delaney, I don't know, he came out of the womb smart. He did, man. I don't know how many of you know him. He's very quiet, but it, it was amazing how smart he was like when he was 10. And he uh, was throwing rocks at the car one day. Now you say, well, how smart can he be? <laughs> and I walked out to the driveway and I said, Delaney, man, I thought we've talked about this. Why, why are you throwing rocks at the car? And I don't know if he had heard too many sermons by dad or what, but he said, dad, let me give you three reasons. <laughs> True story. Ask his mother. And I kind of smiled and I was taken back. I said, well, what are your three reasons, Delaney? He said, well, number one, I was curious what the sound would sound like when a rock hits a car. Okay. Number two, he said, it was fun. But it was the number three answer. He said, Dad, I was just overwhelmed by something inside me. <laughs> when you say the devil made you do it or I couldn't help it, nobody forces you to do it. You only, if you know, have you learned this in your life yet? You only do what you really want to do. You're just like the cookie monster. And the cookie monster doesn't hold a sign and say, we'll work for food. The cookie monster says, want cookie, need cookie, eat cookie. It's that simple. And Jesus warns us, don't confuse the cause of your sin with the occasion of your sin. If you know anything about James, the very first three verses of James talks about how you and I are to consider it pure joy when we face trials of many kinds. And the word trial is perosmos which is the same word translated temptation in the verse we're reading now. Trial and temptation, are they the same? No, but a test in your life either takes you closer to God or takes you farther away from God depending on your response. A test is a test until you respond inappropriately at which point it becomes a temptation. Now, please stay with me. This is so important. You are going to encounter all kinds of stuff, and it's either going to make you grow in your relationship with God, or it's going to take you further away from God. But you will not remain the same. What if I told you you were going to get wealthy this year? You say, yeah, Pastor Jeff, why aren't you preaching that sermon? Why aren't you? Because even that is a test. Can you handle wealth? If, you, if God sends you that, will you be humble and say, man, God, I'm so thankful. Why me, Lord? There are plenty of people that are more smart, more clever, better business acumen, and yet you've blessed me. Or will you say, of course it's me. I'm special. You guys are all losers. <laughs> I work really hard. Of course I'm smart. That's why I'm making so much money. And you become less generous and more greedy. It's statistically proven. If you make $25,000 or more, $25,000 rather or less, you give in America, if you're American, 5% or more away of your income. But if you make $100,000 or more, you give less than 2%. So the more wealthy you become, the less generous you become because you can't handle wealth. What if you have a financial setback this year? Can you handle that? Are you going to be humble and say, God, man, I don't know why this is happening. This is painful. This hurts, but I need your direction. I need to take a serious look at my life ask some hard questions. Will you guide and lead me through this? Or are you going to say, dude, what good is it? I've been going to church three times a year. You owe me a good life. And you turn your back on God. Can you handle flattery? Can you deal with fame? What about blessing? Can you handle that? 
What if God gives you more access to things than you've ever had access to before? How are you going to handle it? Are you going to say, man, I can go out to eat more. I can go to fancy restaurants, drive a better car. I can engulf myself in food and wine. And then you're going to have an unhealthy addiction to things that you never had access to before. Or are you going to say, wow, I'm going to be more generous, more loving. I'm going to do the work of God in my community and in my life. Here, the point is, all of these things are coming your way. This one thing is certain. These are all occasions, not the causes of temptation and failure. It's like the teacher who gives a biology test and she gives the test in order to discover whether or not you've done the work of learning the material. But that test she gives you can become a temptation. And all of a sudden, because you've been lackadaisical in your approach to the topic or to study, you're not ready. So the test becomes a temptation to cheat, to deceive, to fake an illness. How do I know all this? My wife has done all three. No. <laughs> I know this. The test is the occasion of the failure, but not the cause. Imagine this. The guy says after having flunked the test, if that stupid teacher had not tested me, I would not have gotten an F or had to cheat or had to fake an illness. Well, that's ridiculous. You sinned because you wanted to. You wanted to cheat more than you wanted to fail. You wanted to lie more than you wanted to flunk. It's not the teacher's fault. It might be fun to apply that to that, but now let's apply it to this. Most people, this article says, who abuse children were abused as children. Therefore, we can say that you are abusing or you abusing is caused by the abuse you received. This is not even a Christian article, secular article. No, he says, we have to come to the place where we give people the dignity of saying that though you may have been abused, that does not excuse what you are doing to your children. Dignity. What does that mean? It means you're not a mere animal with mere animal instincts. You are sacred. You are of great worth. You have dignity and you can decide to stop. You're not a machine programmed by your environment. And the abuse that you receive might be the occasion for why you now abuse, but it's not the cause. Now stop. I'm not saying that you have not been impacted greatly by the abuse you received. And I'm also saying, I bet you thought you'd never hear a pastor say this. I'm also saying that you probably won't be able to stop tomorrow. Remember what we said about epicenters? It is so powerful, so strong, so emotionally grabbing. If you think you can walk out of here and do what Nancy Reagan said, just say no, forget it. It's far too powerful for you just to be able to say, boom, it's over and it's over. Something else has got to happen. The effects of sin run deep. Let me tell you something. The reason you are so driven by money and power is because your father was probably driven by money and power. And his father, driven by money and power. That's why one of my favorite quotes comes out of the context of the Puritans. Your affections in this world and your desires in your innermost being have very little to do with the reality of other options that stir in your heart and soul. So what if you want to do the good? That has little to do with what's over here. You want to do the good. Even the Apostle Paul said that. I want to do this, but man, there's something over here that's got me. And it's strong. These are pseudo-saviors, and they're powerful, they're enticing, they're overwhelming, and they're tied to your brokenness. But the Bible says that you can stop. You might be a victim, but you're not a helpless victim. Almost done now. Stay with me, man, because we got to go around third and get the good stuff, right? Right now, we've just posed the problem. My grandmother used to come to me. She came to me when I was like 17 or 18 and said, Jeff, why don't you come see me anymore? 
And I would say to her, you know, Grandma, uh, I got basketball practice after school, so I don't have time. Or, you know, I got homework, and I got to do my homework, so I don't have time. Or, I got chores to do. Now, I know a lot of you don't know what those are. <laughs> Google it, okay? Chores, C-H-O-R-E-S. And I, I can't do that. And, and, or I've got a girlfriend that I want to visit on the weekend, so I, I, I don't want to, I can't come over. My grandmother, it's amazing how many phrases you remember from grandma. My grandmother looked at me and said, Jeff, I'm an old woman. And this is what I know with certainty. Everybody does exactly what they want to do. And I thought about that. Man, she's right. I don't go see her because I don't want to. Her house smells like old shoes. And I don't like to go. And I would rather be in the park playing basketball with my buddies or visiting my girlfriend on the weekends. She nailed me. She's right. If I really wanted to go, I would go. That's why when people come up to my office and say, you know, I didn't want to lie, but my boss told me that if I didn't lie, that I'd lose my job. So I lied, but I didn't want to. Edwards would say, I'm sorry, but you wanted to keep your job more than you wanted to tell the truth. So you did exactly what you wanted to do. Don't ever say, I sinned, but I didn't want to. I sinned, but they made me do it. No, they didn't. You did what you most wanted to do. But Pastor Jeff, I was at the bank and this masked man came in and he robbed the bank and he said, if you don't help me, then I'm going to hurt you. So I had to do it. And Edwards would say, no, you didn't. You wanted to save your own neck more than you wanted to harm the town because you always really do what you want to do. People say, well, you know, I can't help it. I'm like this. There's nothing I can do about it. Well, congratulations. You've just taken the great burden off of yourself of doing the right thing and robbed yourself of your own dignity and worth by claiming to be a victim of natural law. You've destroyed your humanity. You're an animal. You're a machine. And when you're tempted to sin, you do it because you want to do it. But the choice is still there. And at the end of the day, you're going to do what you want to do. And it's always going to coincide with what you love the most. This is why the Bible says it. You've got to stop looking at sin as breaking some law. Instead, you've got to see it for what it really is, spiritual adultery. You love something more than you love God. You think you desire, want, or need, or can't live without something other than God. So when you're forced to choose, you choose the one you think you can't live without. Sin is born out of conception that occurs when you are seduced by other loves. Sin is born out of the conception that occurs when you are seduced by other loves. Money, stuff, power, sex, girlfriend, boyfriend, same sex, whatever it is. And then the Bible says, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Now, let me say something to you. There's nobody in this room that doesn't have an epi desire, including me. And everybody backstage, everybody in the room, there's no perfect people in this place. But each of us has to get a hold of it before it destroys our wife, our kids, our family, our relationships, and everything that is sacred and valuable. Because how practical is this really? Come on, man. What's the number one killer? What's the number one cause of heart attacks? Do you know? Do you think it's food? It's not. What is it? Stress at work. Did you know that? Stress on the job. That means you've got a fatal lover, your job, and it's going to kill you. Any love, fatal attraction, or addiction works that way. Alcohol, sex, and I'm going to tell one more. And my wife says, 
She has told me for, for years, Jeff, do not bring this up. But she's out of town this weekend. <laughs> and she says to me, and, and she says to me, don't bring it up because no one's going to be convinced that you have ever struggled with it. Well, number one, you're wrong. And number two, I talk about a lot of things I don't struggle with. You know, I don't happen to struggle with pornography, but I have to talk about it. I do have plenty of struggles. I promise you I do. And if you follow me around for the next 24 hours, again, just follow me on the 210 when I'm going home and traffic and you'll find out what my epi desires are. Okay, so stop it. But why do we always pick on those who have alcoholic issues and sex issues, but never those who have food issues? We have an addiction to food and it's killing you. You know, the Bible says that the day will come when their God will be their stomachs. You've got a love affair with food. You think you can't live without it and you can't live without it to a degree, but not as much as you're consuming. It's become your epi desire. Somehow you feel better when you eat and you eat a lot and it's going to lead to death and disintegration. It's so practical what the Bible says here. Sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. If you're a workaholic, your wife's going to leave you. Maybe not today or tomorrow, but sooner or later, she's going to know where your real love interests lie. If you cheat on your spouse, she's going to leave you. Disintegration of the relationship. So the question really is, folks, and the end of the sermon is, what is going to be your epicenter? That's the only way you're going to fix this. Sin leads to death. The sin comes from conception. The conception comes from being seduced by a false lover. A fatal attraction to something you love more than God. You say, come on, Pastor Jeff, I love God. And my response is, I know you do, but you keep cheating on him with other lovers. It's the reason you violate willingly God's design for sex and intimacy. It's the reason your entire life is consumed with work and making money. It's the reason you seldom spend time with God, because if you spend time with God, you can't spend time with you. And you love you. It's the reason you're addicted to food. It's the reason you're addicted to your body. Hey, this works on the other side too. You live at the gym because your self-significance comes on how your body looks. If your body doesn't look the way you think it ought to, you're miserable. Your sense of self-worth is shot. You're in love with your body. See, it works all kinds of ways. Ready or not, all the mistresses are coming. How will you win? How will you live? How will you bring life and escape death? Not by Nancy Reagan's policy of just say no. Let me read this again. Your affections in this world and your desires in your innermost being have very little to do with the reality of other options that stir in your heart and soul. That was actually stated by Thomas Chalmers, used and defined by the Puritans. Call the expulsive power of a new affection. And here's your answer. The only way to break the hold of a beautiful object on the soul is to show it an object more beautiful. That's it. You can't just go out here and say no to sin. If something's captured your imagination and your love, then something else better and bigger and stronger and more attractive has to capture it to where you zoom right past the temptation. You got the bug light zapper, right? What is it that will cause the bug to fly right by the zapper and not be tempted is only if there's a more beautiful light and beautiful attraction beyond. The answer to temptation is spiritual passion, not just discipline and negation. You've got to fall in love with somebody. You've got to bring Jesus out of the conceptual into reality. The realm of the passion of your heart. Do you know what I'm about to say right now to end this thing? You're going to have some people out there going, yep, 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 I got you. And others are going to say, what? Because you're still on the outside looking in. 
The Bible says that we all have epicenters. We're all sinners. The world's broken. You and I are broken. But God sent his son to bring healing into your life, to forgive your sins, past, present, and future. But if you think that's the end of the gospel, oh, well, that's great. Give me that and I'll go on my way. But he does that. He forgives you in order that now the God who has been far can come near. Your sin has been dealt with. So Jesus says to the disciples, if I don't go away, the spirit cannot come. And that means that God wants to place his spirit in you for the purpose of relationship. See, I see it already. I see it already. That means it's possible for you to walk with, talk with, experience the living God. It's hard to explain if you've never been in, right? If you have no idea what I'm talking about, it's because you're still on the outside looking in. It's possible this relationship with God through Christ, it'll help you to see things you've never seen, feel things you've never felt. It'll give you a sense of volition to do things you never thought you could do. It is possible, actually, for you to hear the voice of God. It's not audible, not crazy people around here, but you get so used to hanging out with Jesus that you recognize when he's impressing a word on your spirit. You with me? I don't have to be with my wife to know she's speaking. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Because I'm close to her. You can get close to Jesus through word, through meditation, through prayer, through worship. And then one day you just walk in here and you think, my goodness, this God is all over me. And you fall in love with the God of perpetual wonder. And all these things you're trying to get from these other things, you start to get from him. Which means you're still good at all these other things, but they're in the right perspective. They're not your epicenters. See, don't go out of here thinking, Pastor Jeff says it's wrong to work hard and make money. Well, that's ridiculous. Until it becomes your epicenter. Until you think you can't live without it. And let me just say something. Let me give you a little warning. For those of you who are in Christ, God's already targeted your epicenter. He's going to be patient with you for a while. But if you don't repent and it remains your epicenter, one by one, he'll start stripping it away. Because sometimes the only way you're ever going to know is Jesus is all you need is when Jesus is all you got left. This relationship, in order to go by and surpass these loves, you've got to go to a greater love. And for those of you shaking your head, man, you're going to walk out. Yeah, man, he's so... For those of you, I just don't know that. Then today's the day of salvation. You've got to give your life to Jesus. Not just your intellect. I didn't say, not just your intellect. comes too. But you've got to give your heart. Say, here I am. Above and beyond all else, pursue him. Pursue him in your quiet time. Pursue him in your morning devotions. Pursue him in worship and commitment. Pursue him in those things. You tell me, Pastor Jeff, you were right. I pursued him. I found him. And man, I still do all these things, but man, they're in their right place. And I am so happy. The death and disintegration has gone out of my life. There's an epicenter in you. It has a lot to do with your mom, dad, parents, and environment. You're to blame. It's there, but once it takes a hold, it's going to come out some way or another. The only way you're going to defeat it in the new year is by loving something that's more marvelous, the God of perpetual wonder. Because when you start this relationship with him, he'll never cease to amaze you with something new. Father, I thank you and praise you right now in Christ's name for today's message and for 
just such an attentive crowd. I pray right now that the thing that would strike us most is that Jesus was an overcomer. He overcame. The Bible tells us he was tempted in all ways just like us. I pray that we would recognize that the reason he was so successful in overcoming the temptation was because of his deep relationship with the Father, a relationship that we too can have where every day is a life of joy, every day is a life of getting to know God. It still brings its troubles and its obstacles, but we see them in the light of the glory and the presence and the hope that God brings in the life that we have with him now and the one that is to come. We will overcome and we are thankful. In Christ's name, amen. You've been listening to Today with Jeff Fines. Next time, we'll bring you a new message from Pastor Jeff. You can listen to more messages like this. Just search for Today with Jeff Fines wherever you listen to podcasts. You make me Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines. This is a production by One and All Media. For more, head to oneandall.media. This is a production by One and All Media. For more, head to oneandall.media.